When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Flying Solo Podcast, a show for those going it alone in business. I'm your host, Robert Gerrish. Flying Solo is an Australian online community and home to stacks of free resources, discussion forums, professional development tools, and a whole lot more. Find us at flyingsolo.com.au or join us on Facebook. My guest today is Glenn Carlson, co-founder of Key Person of Influence, the ninth fastest growing company in Australia, who are acknowledged by Inc.com as one of the top personal branding conferences in the world. KPI are good friends of Flying Solo, and Glenn has generously agreed to give all listeners to the show a free hard copy of Amazon's business and entrepreneurship bestseller, Become a Key Person of Influence, a fantastic book written by Glenn's co-founder, Daniel Priestley. Just head to keypersonofinfluence.com.au forward slash flying solo to grab your copy. And don't worry, I'll give you that link again after I've spoken with Glenn on the big hairy topic of how to be different. Hello, Glenn. Robert, great to be here. Good. Well, thanks for joining us. Now, look, this whole topic of how to be different, how to stand out, how to be unique, how do you kind of respond to it if somebody comes up to you and says, Glenn, 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 I need to be different? What are your thoughts? <laughs> well, I actually I don't find many people come up and ask that. Uh, it's not usually the thing that's top of mind. Uh, if you're a small business owner, a micro business owner, a service provider, whether it's professional services or freelancing or, or whatever, uh, my experience is that there's far bigger and more acute symptoms and problems um, than I don't stand out. So mm. it's usually the issues around uh, I'm not making enough money could be a big one or I'm spending too much time doing what I'm doing. The juice isn't worth the squeeze. I've got low conversions. People are shopping around. Uh, I'm not getting the same level of inbound opportunities that I used to be or that I would like. These tend to be the 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 uh, key performance indicators, mm. let's say, that the KPIs of the other nature yeah. um, that, that people tend to be acutely aware of. and So more, often, more so than necessarily wandering around saying, I need to stand out, I need to stand out. So, yeah, exactly. People okay. aren't saying, I need to stand out. They're like, God, how do I get my conversions up? How do I attract sure. more inbound opportunities? How do I make a bit more cash and, and have a bit more lifestyle, I guess, in mm. what I'm doing? Um, and they often haven't made the connection that it is as a result of them showing up as a commodity, so something that you know isn't perceived as different or unique in the market mm -hmm. uh, and that it therefore is easily exchangeable with someone or something else that is causing all those problems in the first place. Okay, so what you're basically saying is that whilst we may say, you know, what your issue is, is you're not standing out, it's not necessarily something that we're, we're wandering around kind of feeling or sensing. So how then do you sort of introduce someone, introduce some of your people into this kind of notion of, well, actually, you know what, this is what you need to be thinking about? Um, kind of like shaking them as hard as... <laughs> As, as Come on then, let's do some shaking. Until they see it my way. Uh -huh. um, so, well, it's, it's usually through just a bit of a conversation in terms of the bigger picture and, and understanding that everybody is on an entrepreneurial journey, um, recognizing that 
you know, 70% of the Australian and, in fact, the US, the UK and even the Asian uh, market are small and micro business owners. And because there is so many people operating in that space, sort of sub million five hundred thousand revenue, one, two, three employees tops, mm. uh, or in the solo provider space. Um, and in the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years at a stretch, the barriers to starting your own micro business have literally dissolved. Mm. Like there are no barriers anymore. Um, And so as a result, you've got a mass exodus from the corporate space, people looking for more lifestyle, more freedom, more autonomy, all of these things that that you, I and the rest of the world is now very acutely aware of. But simple supply and demand, we're now getting far more service providers and far more uh, individuals in that micro business space are uh, offering the same services and competing for the same market mm. that that existed 10, 15 years ago. God, that existed five years ago, right? Yeah, yeah sure. So, so look, I, I totally, totally get what you're saying, and you've and you've you know you've neatly put the fear up a whole lot of, of uh, newbies. Oh. <laughs> no, no, quite rightly that there is. It's a very busy market. It's a busy a market. A lot of people. So. Let's dive into what do we do about that. Okay. So, I mean, at a big level, uh, and, in, you know, we're giving away the book. So, at a, at a high 30,000-foot level, um, it's important to have a good pitch, which is what we talk about uh, at Key Person of Influence. It's important to have credibility through published content. It's important to productize your services to a degree to allow you to get some of that time back to raise your profile and to do partnerships. But that's something that people can get from our websites, Googling, reading the book. So I guess my experience in working people um, long-term, so toe-to-toe in the trenches throughout our our programs and within our community, um, the real things that can make a big difference that anyone can apply immediately in the service space and start to get um, some of the benefits of differentiation. And, and I guess I'm trying to talk to the person that's sitting there going, look, I'm an accountant or I'm a trainer or, or I'm a, you know, a sales expert hmm. or I'm a, website, I'm a web designer. And it's like I'm not different. I'm the same as a hundred other yep. people out there in my immediate space. I'm not Uber. I'm not Facebook. I'm not you know, these kind of crazy… Well, why don't we, why don't we grab any, any one of those that you mentioned and let's kind of put them, through, into it. Put them through the ringer. So, so who, who do you want out of those? Well, no, no, I won't, I won't talk about those because they're, right. they're tech and they're, but I'm saying I want to talk to the person that's thinking I'm not different like Yeah, that. sure. No, I mean, I'm, one, I'm the same. Sure. Yeah. one of the professionals that you mentioned. Right. So any, yeah, any okay. one of the professionals. Yeah. First, first thing in my experience is, is having a very clearly articulated why and a reason that you're doing what you're doing. It sounds so woo-woo. I know. It sounds almost cliche, try it, whatever you want. But in my experience, if someone can effectively communicate why they're an accountant or why they're a financial planner or why they're a real estate agent that goes beyond making money, yep. that that really connects at a human level and identifies that I'm in some way genetically engineered to be doing this. My entire life story has been built in such a way that puts me where I am now providing these services um, and yeah, I make money out of it, no, no doubt, hmm. but there's a, a very deep connection there as to why that's being done. Now, most people struggle to communicate what they do. That's problem number one. That's around your pitch. Sure. But even, even fewer can talk about why they do it. Um, and my experience of differentiation, if we go to the big boys, right, the, the big players, they all do have a big 
why in terms of why they do what they do. So step one, I would say, would be get to the point, really dig deep uh, for anybody listening and work out how in less than a paragraph, right? So you don't want to go on into some big esoteric conversation because that will glaze people over mm. just, just as quickly. But a really short, punchy, um, uh, grounded enthusiasm conversation about why you do what you do, which lands in such a way where the, the listener or the audience goes, wow, it's not just about the money for this person. They're actually built to be doing this. Boom. Instantly goes, there's a, it moves the, pardon me, it moves the needle to the direction of, I want to work with this person, hmm. not the next person. So, okay, look, great, great notion. And, and just, just to get someone into that, let's imagine we've got somebody listening who is one of those professions that you said, maybe it's the financial yep. planner person. Yep. And is sitting there. Now, as you and I both know, you can write, I can write, and, and I love it, and you love it. Yep. Not difficult. Yep. But say to a lot of people, sit down and write one paragraph, that can be quite a painful exercise, as we both both know. How would yeah. you just one step back from that? Let's say this is a, a newish notion or someone something that someone's wanted to thought mm. about for a while and really wants to kind of tackle it. But it's just too hard because it's too hard. Yeah, so they're there with a blank sheet of paper. Yep. I guess perhaps starting with the paragraph wouldn't be the solution. I guess you start with a bit of a brain dump and then you whittle it down. Is that how you would... So I have a theory on this, right? And I don't want to take Thought up your entire—I don't want to take up your entire podcast on this, and I, <laughs> I very easily could, but I won't. Right. But really, simply speaking, I believe that um, we have a, a, a hierarchy of values in our life. There are things that we value a lot, and that we're, there are things that we don't value much at all. Um, most people don't know what they are. Mm-hmm. I believe that we should be building our life, our lifestyle, our relationships, and our business around the things that are highest on our values. So step number one would be to draw a lifeline, right? Literally, it's just a, 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 an X and a Y axis from when you were born all the way to the age that you are now. Anything above the line is good times. Anything below the line is bad times. And literally just draw a squiggle right. in terms of the ups and the downs of your life, right? So every life will have its ups and it will have its downs. What I would then be looking for based on that are what are the themes in your life, themes, values that are consistent and reliably present when life's good. Hmm. Okay. My experience is if you take the time to unpack the story behind the story of your life, you will find that when life is really good, there are some things that are consistently present. Right. I want to give you a quick example. Yeah, right? no, this really is quick, very good, very good. Re- yep. Really quick example. Um, one of our clients in Melbourne, Darren Finkelstein, right? Darren mm-hmm. came along to us. He'd been um, small business, just him and his business partner, uh, selling boats in St. Kilda. Um, yeah. It was a successful business, doing it for 10 years, but had kind of lost a little bit of the shine. Um, he was dyslexic, never finished high school. Um, so when it comes to sitting down and writing in front of a bit of paper, it was never going to happen. And his whole philosophy was, I sell boats. Right? I'm, I'm not different. I sell boats. Um, and the idea of differentiating himself in some way was, you know, he was open to the idea, but he was Not skeptical. Okay. Right? Well, no, he was just skeptical. He needed right. more information, didn't know how. Took him through this process. And it is a difficult process. And I don't want anyone to think, listening to this, that it's supposed to be easy. The moment that you recognize that business isn't meant to be easy, it gets a lot easier <laughs> mm, yeah. um, as soon as you are prepared to lean into that struggle and that challenge. So this is a hard, this is hard work 
Um, but, you know, the, the rewards are, are worth it. So he went through this process and he got even more frustrated because he's like, the consistent themes in my life ever since I was a kid before I got married and had my own family were lifestyle and family. Right when, when lifestyle came together with family, things were good. The whole family going out on adventures, living these little dreams, jumping in a combi van, doing all this kind of stuff. He's like, when that's going on, I am fully expressed. Yep. And we're like, brilliant. There you go. And he's like, but what's that got to do with selling boats? <laughs> and it's funny because you know sometimes we're so close mm. to the problem we can't see it. And everybody in the in the because you know we we work with you know tight accountability groups of entrepreneurs and what have you. So everyone else could see it. Yeah. Um, as the listeners can see it, and as, I can see as it. the listeners yeah. can see it, they're like lifestyle, you know, family, boats, hello, just pack it all together. Mm. And as soon as the penny dropped, he realised, wow. So. So I'm not in the business of selling boats. I'm in the business of reconnecting families with a great lifestyle together without the iPhones and the iPads with an experience they'll never forget. Yes. Mm. And he's like, holy moly. And literally, an entirely new guy showed up in the world. Right. Um, he went and wrote a book, Honey, Let's Buy a Boat, which wasn't about boats. It was entirely about um, helping Mostly busy men was kind of what it was written for, but it brought the family element in because mm-hmm. um, it's typically men that want to go and buy the boat, but it's typically the the for women that make it possible or not. <laughs> um, so, he, so he wanted the book to to engage both, um, and it was written from the lifestyle and the family component. So it wasn't mm. just a man's ego trip on a boat because that didn't juice Darren at all. He's like, no, okay. I, don't, I don't get along with those people. I get along with a family man that wants to get his kids out on the boat, go fishing, bond, all that sort of stuff. Okay. So that was what the boat was written for. He's now speaking and on radio all around Australia. He's got a regular 2UE show. Um, he's going through a pilot for a TV show now. Like He really has become the boat guy, not talking about selling boats but talking about family and lifestyle. Fantastic. So okay. that, well, that was that why mm. he connected to. It's not about boats. It's about family lifestyle. Whenever he's talking about that, it's got nothing to do with money. Everyone senses it. And as a result, his business has exploded, yeah. l- literally exploded. Fantastic. Well, look, it, it, that, that's a great story about Darren. And it's fantastic to hear that he's, he's doing that. And that very, very neatly um, gets us through that, that whole notion of why and um, whittling it down, getting it down to a paragraph. So what do we do next? Let's say we've got that bit right. sort of clear. So, so once you understand your why, let's call it your purpose, right? The next thing that, that I find is a huge force multiplier when it comes to differentiating yourself in the market is understanding your people, right? Who, mm-hmm. who are you doing this for? The, the amount of times I come across someone that's so in love with their product that it's like, well, everyone would get value from this. Um, and so it's kind of positioned for everyone. Okay, so can um, I just stop you there? So when yeah. you talk, when you're talking about your people, you're talking about your, your audience, market. the people, your market. Okay, your target not market. your employees. Yeah. Okay. No, 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 sorry, not your employees. No. I call it your shorthand for your people, right? Okay. I, I believe, I believe in building a business that's an expression of who you are, and mm-hmm. that your clients should be people that you want to have a glass of wine with. This is my opinion. This is my agenda. I'm pushing it on the world. Okay. Good. Um, some people won't relate to it, but I personally love having uh, building a business from the perspective of wanting to attract people that I want to hang out with, have dinner parties with, go surfing with, you know, go on holiday trips with. And I do all of those things with my clients because they're freaking awesome. And okay. I think if you can 
approach the idea, and it doesn't have to be every client. I'm not saying every client I work with is my best friend. But if I'm building the business from that perspective, it means I'm spending more time surrounded with the people that I can relate to. So who are your people? Who's your target? Um, And there's this idea that, oh, well, everyone would benefit from what we do or what I do. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I only need X percent of the market with this service that I've got to be able to make you know, mm. why dollars? Both of these are really kind of red flags, I suppose. Okay, um, so what, let me just stop you there. So what you're saying there is what the tendency is, is for people to think, well, anyone and everyone are my people. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Right? Now, while that may be technically true, when it comes to the conversation that we're having, which is how do I create differentiation, um, it works in the opposite way. The yeah. moment you can get razor-specific, and, and so here's how. Think of one person, literally one person that would be your perfect client. Mm-hmm. Um, they pay on time, they pay in advance, they pay in a premium because they want to work with you, you like them, they've got problems that you can solve, all of these things go together um, and literally you tune into that one person. The smaller you make your niche or your target market, intuitively people think, oh, but I'm going to miss out on all this other opportunity which is the, the natural reaction. Yep. However, if you try and create a product or you try and design a service for everybody, it is incredibly inefficient to target your advertising, hmm. your communications, your marketing, your partnerships, uh, your product development to such a broad range of people. Yeah. You've not got and the so budgets of Coca-Cola. For you don't have the budgets of Coke, right? No. And so as a result, your marketing, your messaging, your partner conversations, your emails, your product development becomes mediocre and hello, you end up being you know, in that sea of sameness, completely yeah. undifferentiated. The moment you micro-niche, so for example, physiotherapist, um, uh, that we have, that we work with up in up in Brisbane. Uh, great physiotherapist can uh, get anyone out of pain really quickly, right? But he's big into fitness. Um, mm-hmm. He's always been big into fitness, um, and eventually he realised that you know the type of person that he really wants to work with are the type of people that like to sweat five times a week. Right. Right. It was such a subtle shift for him, but he's like, wow. You know, if I start targeting these kind of performers, whether it's amateur athletes but on a regular basis or professional athletes, now here's the thing. His message can be targeted more effectively to people that like to sweat. Yeah. Um, his products can be tailored more effectively. Um, his cost per acquisition of new client drops exponentially, so his profit goes right up. But now here's the thing. He works now with... Um, gold, silver, bronze winning Olympic athletes. He works with triathletes. Um, He works with literally some of the top sports stars in Australia, like Mm -hmm. the creme de la creme. But if you're a high-powered CEO that isn't necessarily a full-on sports junkie, isn't necessarily sweating five days a week, but you've got the option to go to a physio that's, you know, the same as every other physio or the physio that, 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 that works with gold medal you know, athletes and charges accordingly, who are you going to want to go to, hmm. right? So the key takeaway phrase here is your target is not your market. Getting a really tight perspective on your people, a really narrow niche and targeting everything you do just to those people will not exclude 
everybody else. In fact, because you're so specific, it'll actually start to attract Mm. people from outside of that very tight niche that you wouldn't otherwise have attracted. Look, I think that's such a strong point and it's it's so frequent, <laughs> so common that people don't quite get that. And I think it's what stops so many people niching is the fear that by putting all your eggs, which is a horrible old uh, irrelevant expression, um, into one particular target market that you're therefore going to shut the door on everything else. And as you said, you absolutely don't. You just raise the bar on everybody else. Yeah, exactly right. It makes you so much better, so much more efficient, so much more effective. It allows you to have so much more fun. And because of all those things, people that that you wouldn't have otherwise got because you're mediocre start showing up. And that's where key people of influence, we talk about them, right? Um, They attract inbound opportunities. And this is why, Mm. right? You know, you don't just get you don't just accidentally have inbound opportunities showing up. You know, this is a business model that needs to be uh, kind of engineered and designed, I suppose, from the ground up to make this stuff possible. And it's these subtle little things. And now people listening, you might already have a focused market, but I want you to think about what would you need to make it 10, 15 or 20% more focused? Mm. Because it's kind of these, you focus on a number of these elements and you just improve each of them by 10 or 15%, the product of the whole is far greater than the sum of the parts. So you don't need to do some radical developments on you know, your purpose or your why. Mm. You don't need to do radical developments on refining your people. It's these subtle tweaks in the right way that start to make you know, the, the, the big difference. So when you uh, say that... Time. Sorry, when you said they focus in by 20%, I think you said, do well, yeah. you, are you talking about narrowing, niching even further, drilling yeah, down it, further? Well, it could be niching even further or someone might be saying I'm already highly niched. And I'm like, well, how can you communicate that 10, 20% better? Oh, right? Okay, gotcha. So, so if there's a physiotherapist that's like, well, yeah, I do work with top athletes. It's like, okay, is that on the front page of your website? Is that like clearly communicated in your marketing? Uh, are you tailoring your language you know, specifically to those people. Um, the amount of times um, we work with clients and let's say they have worked with these sort of Olympic athletes but they haven't put it in their marketing yet because, you know, in their mind maybe they don't want to put people off, right? It's, yep. cause just because just it's an illogic. It's like, no, put that front and center. So when I say kind of step it up 10 or 15%, I'm like, if you're already highly niched, how can you step up your communication of that more effectively? How can you tailor some partnerships more effectively, specifically because of um, that niche. Okay. So look, so thus far, we're talking about how to be different. You've talked about the pitch. We talked about the, the lovely process example of Darren and how to drill that down into finding out what your kind of purpose is and to hone that into your pitch. Yeah. We're talking about really now developing your niche, how to find who are the people who your targets market are who are the people you want to work with and you made that really great point that your target is not your market in that once you do start to narrow down it doesn't mean that you cut everybody else off it just means that you make yourself more attractive to certain people around so we're sort of wrapping up towards the end of our time together where where would you kind of go to next look the final thing that i would say and i'll say it quickly um is that most people have no real clear understanding as once they're clear on their market they're not usually particularly clear as to the real problems their market is experiencing. Okay. So this is, this is the third. Like if there were three things to focus on in terms of differentiating yourself 
inside the five P's. So yep. these are the force multipliers under pitch, publish, product, profile, partnerships that's spoken about in the book. Yep. Under that, your why, huge. Your people, massive. More importantly, well, as important as all of those combined is the problems that they experience. When I ask, um, uh, and I get the opportunity, as you do, to speak with literally thousands of small business owners every year, mm-hmm. and I ask them the question, what are the top three dominant problems that your clients experience? I get a blank stare and a blink, yeah. or I get some kind of waffle that goes on for five minutes. Yeah. If you're listening to this, literally jot down in two words each three dominant problems. Problem number one, problem number two, problem number three. Faced by your target market. Not faced by, faced yep. by your target market, those yep. people that you're serving, right? Mm-hmm. So not your problems, Yep. right? No one cares about your problems. Oh, that's not right? true. We do. Well, you do, sorry. <laughs> but but they're cl- your cl- they're, the clients don't <laughs> yes, care about I know. problems. They care about their problems. Sure. So um, if you are not laser-focused, clear on what those problems actually are to the point – if you are presenting them in front of 500 of your perfect target market, the whole room isn't like nodding and chuckling in like, oh my God, that's exactly you know, the biggest yep. challenges that I've got right now. Mm. Um, I put it to you, if you can't do that, um, you're absolutely going to show up as commoditized. Yep. Your messaging is going to be less effective and less engaging. Mm. Um, your product development is going to be less effective and less engaging. Every single reason that people buy, ultimately, I believe, is to solve a problem. So if mm. you don't know what those problems are, then you're never going to solve them. The less effective you yeah. are going to be. And the, and the really simple, quick, succinct example of this is the difference between a general practitioner mm-hmm. and a specialist doctor. Yep. Right? So a general practitioner, in terms of simply, in terms of income, right? And also in terms of how booked out in advance they would be, right, would be far less than like the elbow specialist, Mm. right? The elbow specialist is able to make multiples of income and is often booked out far more in advance than a general practitioner would be because A, there's far more general practitioners because they're undifferentiated Mm -hmm. than there are elbow specialists. But the reason that allows the expert, the, the elbow specialist to charge more, to be oversubscribed, to have that waiting list is because they put more time and energy into understanding a very specific set of problems in a very niche area than anyone else. Yep, got you. And that's what allowed that differentiation to happen. So okay. understanding clients' problems, being able to communicate those effectively, I promise your listeners, if if they can articulate their customer's problems to the customer more effectively than anybody else in their industry, right? immediately just as a result of doing that, they will be seen by the market as more of an expert, more of an authority, more valued than anybody in their industry combined with a powerful why and a clear target market, a great pitch, published content, the right products, a profile, key partners boom, instantly differentiated, instantly showing up as a key person of influence, instantly able to charge more, more income, waiting lists, all the stuff that turn being a sole provider or a small business owner from a bit of a struggle and a bit of kind of hard yakker chasing stuck in the business to actually enjoying a real lifestyle business. It just, it just takes a bit of work behind the scenes. Okay. <laughs> 
All right, well, good. And as you mentioned, um, details or, or expansion of the topics that we've spoken about is indeed laid out in the book. And um, as I mentioned at the outset, um, Glenn and the lovely people at KPI are offering all listeners to this show a free hard copy of that book, Amazon's Business and Entrepreneurship Bestseller, Become a Key Person of Influence. Just rush along to keypersonofinfluence.com.au forward slash flying solo. Now, Glenn, look, before I let you go, I would like to know, it's a question that I ask every one of our podcast guests, who has been the greatest influence on you in your career thus far and what did they teach you? Yeah, so I think this is really, I get asked this from time to time and it's such a cliche answer, but like fundamentally it would be Steve Jobs uh-huh. um, for a few reasons. A, in reading his book, mm-hmm. um, it was by Walter Isaacson, um, yeah. it was in reading that, that I, and I had to read between the lines to get it, but basically even before Apple began, Jobs had a big love of two big themes in his life which was art and technology. Hmm. And he felt that if he could build a business that allowed him to do both of those things, he'd be happy. And he felt there was a lot of power in that. It was in reading that over and over and over through the pages of that book that my light bulb moment occurred, which is like, holy shit. Hmm. If he focused on these themes in his life, what are the themes in my life that I should merge together to build a business around? Hmm. Um, And it was for me that I recognized if... All of my commercial businesses and products disappeared, like literally if they were just taken away from me. The two themes that extend throughout my life that I just love, it, it, when I'm working on those, it brings creativity, drive, enthusiasm, um, is entrepreneurship and personal empowerment. Entrepreneurship mm. on its own for me kind of isn't enough. It can get a bit you know, profiteering and a bit evil, you know, yep. big corporates have a lot to answer for in the world. And so on its own, that's not enough. Personal empowerment is another one. Mm. Um, but again, personal empowerment, personal development can lead to a lot of woo-woo. It can lead to a lot of navel-gazing and self-introspection that doesn't actually lead to any progress or any action. Mm. Um, so on its own, that wasn't enough. But when the two merged for me in the same way that I saw when liberal art and technology merged for Steve Jobs, I yep. got really excited and, and really lit up. So hmm, that was profound. That's fantastic. Profound for me and I've passed that on to a lot of our clients yeah. and Darren Finkelstein did the same thing. He merged lifestyle uh, and family and got that same sort of spark and so hmm. I, I found that to be a really profound uh, life lesson that I got. Yeah, that's brilliant. I, I read that same book and I... I one of the things that always sticks out for me in this uh, as a sort of indicator of Steve, Steve Jobs' love of, uh, of you say, of art and design and, uh, and minimalism, it yeah. really, as well, having things so simple and straightforward. Was, I love this, this, this image I had of his early days where he lived in this house when he, once he had some money. Nothing with, in it. <laughs> not a stick of furniture. But, yeah. Well, anything he had was beautiful, but there might only be one thing. Yes. And, yeah, um, like he had a, a beautiful record player, a few of his favorite mm. Beatles albums, and a big giant poster of... Uh, of uh, Albert Einstein on the wall. Yeah, and that was it. And that was it. And he'd sat cross-legged on the, on, the, uh, on the wooden boards. Yeah, that's right, working out yeah. his future. Fantastic. Well, look, Glenn Carlson, thank you so much for spending time with uh, the Flying Solo community. It's been great having you here. And I uh, look forward to bumping into you again soon at one of the KPI events. Really enjoyed it. Looking okay, forward to it. Thank you. 
And that's where we'll leave this show from Flying Solo. I'm Robert Gerrish, and we hope you'll join us next time. If you're looking to start a business or rejuvenate the one you're in, you'll find heaps of resources at flyingsolo.com.au and a supportive community on our forums and Facebook. Thanks for listening.